0: Well, good morning, Crossroads family. I am so glad that you have decided to join us today, whether you have joined us online or at our drive-in church. You guys, today is a great day at Crossroads, and we are excited to come together and worship Jesus. Now, we are in crazy days right now. Let's just be honest. Everything is, has been turned upside down. And yet, despite that, I want to just take a moment and celebrate a couple of really cool things that have been happening. Over the last week, you guys, we've been able to connect people with Jesus. Uh, we had drive-in church last Sunday where we had a ton of people show up at our at our physical location in Goshen, and we also had more people join us at our online campus than we ever have before it 's just an extraordinary thing to realize that despite all of the craziness despite our world being turned upside down we 're still able to connect a bunch of people with Jesus in addition to that, our you are loved to go initiative was able to meet the needs of a lot of families in our community and just provide help where it was desperately needed. so I just want to thank you as a church for continuing to lead the way with generosity, because honestly, it's that generous giving that allows all of these things to keep happening. Um, Now today, we're not having an actual offering moment. On our online campus, I would just encourage you to give generously by going to our website uh, to crossroads.online slash give. Uh, Here at Drive-In Church, we're gonna have bins on your way out that you can drop your gift in if you would like to do that. But the bottom line is, our generosity, it makes a difference. When we contribute to the community with our giving of our tithes and offerings, you guys, that's what helps us lead the way in our community and be a light that shines in the darkness. And I just want you to know, you are making a difference in the kingdom with your giving. And exciting things are happening right now in the life of our church. We've had people who've made decisions for Christ. We had new families who decided to make Crossroads their church home because of what we did last week. You guys, we have momentum. We are on mission, and we're excited about what this looks like as we keep connecting people with Jesus and celebrating changed lives. Now, today we're continuing on with our series called Seven. And honestly, this is the last week of this series. So if you're just joining, I want to catch you up right now because we've been taking a look at the seven deadly sins. These sins uh, are made up of of the seven deadliest things that we can allow to take root in our lives. Over the thousands of years that Christianity has existed, there's been this realization that there are really seven core sins that if left unchecked in our lives, lead us down a path to destruction. They really truly are deadly to our soul. And so we've been highlighting and looking at how we resist these sins in our lives and instead draw closer to Jesus. We began with pride, recognizing that that isolates me from God. It keeps me from becoming who it is that he wants me to be. We've talked about greed and lust and how those two sins can just overwhelm us and overtake us in, in, in many different areas of our lives. We've talked about the importance of not falling into, trap, into the trap of sloth. Because sloth, it either makes you indifferent or it makes you a It doesn't matter which end of the spectrum you fall on, as long as the target that your life is aiming at is not important. And so we've got to realize, man, I have to keep my life focused on things that have eternal value and make sure that my life is significant in every way. We've talked about wrath and how anger and bitterness and hatred in our hearts it builds a barrier between us and our relationship with Jesus. Last week we talked about envy and how if we fall into that game of comparison, what we have will never be good enough. And instead of focusing on what we don't have, we We need to change our focus and focus instead on the blessings that God has given each and every one of us. That leads to an attitude of gratitude. That's the antidote to envy. Well, today we're diving in to this seventh deadly sin, and this is the sin of gluttony, okay? Now, it would have been real easy to start this service today with a big old tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, all right? And we talked about that. But here's the thing. We don't want to reduce gluttony to just this overeating that everybody just automatically assumes gluttony is because gluttony is much more serious than just eating too much food, all right? Gluttony is the excessive consumption of anything that one desires. I want you to think about that for a second. Gluttony is the excessive consumption of anything that one desires. And this is really significant And the reason we saved gluttony for the very last week of this series is very clear. it's because of this fact. When you pair gluttony with every one of the other deadly sins, what you realize is that gluttony strengthens every sin that wants to destroy you. Let me say that again. The sin of gluttony, it strengthens every sin in your life that wants to destroy you it takes them all to the next level. And if you think about that reality, what we realize is that the antidote, the contrary virtue here, is self-control. It's not allowing myself to be overrun by all these different urges that I have. Gluttony, you see, is not limited to food. In fact, that is just one of many categories that gluttony can take over your life with. It's the pursuit of power, the pursuit of pleasure, the the pursuit of possessions or prestige. Anytime gluttony gets added to that mix, it just takes that sin to the next level. And it helps destroy your soul that much faster. That's why it's really important that we focus in on this sin of gluttony and recognize that at the end of the day, gluttony is all about who I am uniting myself with, I want you to think about that as we dive into these scriptures today and ask yourself this question who am I uniting myself with? Because I'm either uniting my life with Jesus. Or I'm uniting my life with all of these sins in my life that want to destroy me. And if I am not able to have self-control, if I fall into this sin of gluttony, it's only going to strengthen and amplify all of these other destructive forces in my life. The beatitude that we're focusing in on this week that I'm challenging everybody to memorize because it's such a great verse is Matthew 5.10. Here Jesus is teaching uh, on the Sermon on the Mount uh, just about the kingdom of heaven. And here's what he has to say about this specific idea. In Matthew 5.10 he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Well, that means that you're being persecuted. Things aren't going very well for you because you've decided to unite yourself with Jesus. And make no mistake, when you make that decision in your life to unite everything in your life around Jesus, to live a life that's surrendered to him, to live a life that desires to become more like Jesus, there are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be moments where you face persecution, where things aren't easy, and you're going to have to choose between what is easy and what is right. But here's the thing. When you live with self-control... When you are focused on the righteousness of Jesus and choosing to unite yourself with him to daily becoming more like Jesus, that is the exact place that God has called you to. Sometimes we struggle with our calling. What is it that Jesus wants for me? What is the plan that God has for me? How do I live in my purpose? Well, it all comes down to this idea, am I committed each and every day to becoming more like Jesus? Am I pursuing him? Am I uniting my life with him. See gluttony unites my life to all the sins in my life. It makes my body my master because I'm uniting with all these things that are just speaking into the desires of my carnal nature. Seneca, an old philosopher uh, from from Rome from 2000 years ago has this statement. He will have many masters who makes his body his master. All right? it, it doesn't just stop with one thing. When you make your body your master, you're going to be controlled by all kinds of things. Now, Seneca, this is an odd fact, right? A fun fact. Seneca was also the first person to say 2,000 years ago... Every new beginning is some other beginning's end. Does that sound familiar to anyone here? Yeah, they made a song about that not too long ago. And if listen, if you don't like that, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, all right? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just go with it because I'm just having fun. You don't have to leave. All right, now here's the thing. When we talk about gluttony, the reason this is so important to wrap our minds around is because it amplifies, it strengthens every other sin that wants to destroy me. So I have to choose, who am I going to unite my life with? Am I going to unite my life with Jesus? Or am I going to allow myself to be united with the things of this world and, and to let my body, the, the desires of, of my carnal nature, be the thing that I say, this is what I'm uniting with? Because it's, it's one path or the other. And so when I choose to have this virtue of self-control, that, that holds me in check But the thing is, when gluttony takes root in our hearts, it divorces us from the life that God has made good. Because I'm choosing to turn my back on all the good that God has has planned for me, and I'm choosing to unite myself with the things of this world. And this couldn't be more clearly communicated or pointed out to us in Scripture than all the way back at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. In fact, in Genesis 3, here's what we see. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. I want to point out something really important here. Gluttony in my life, it leads to division. Because I'm choosing, instead of uniting my life with Christ, I'm being tempted with the choice of of uniting with the things of this world, the things in my carnal nature. And these are two very different paths. So it leads to division. And it takes me away from the path that God longs for me to be walking on. Now, when we talk about the fruit of the tree, can, can we just be real here for a second? We'd have no idea how long Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden before they decided to eat the fruit. They could have been there for two hours. They could have been there for 100,000 years. We have no idea how long Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden where they experienced intimate fellowship with Jesus, living in a place that was perfect, where there was no death, there was no pain, there was no suffering, there was no evil. None of that existed before they ate the fruit of the tree. So here's the thing. They're facing this temptation. Uh, The temptation is, did God really say that you couldn't eat from that fruit? Oh, yes, he did. If, if we eat from this, of this fruit, we will certainly die. There's this recognition that for the, entire, for the entire time that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, denying this fruit, rejecting this fruit, what they were doing was showing their love and their devotion for God. Every single day that they rejected the temptation to eat this fruit, they were affirming their love for God. They were uniting with him. And we see this picture in the Garden of Eden as a beautiful and intimate relationship between God and man. I mean, we see this picture in the Garden of Eden of of perfection. It's how God desired the world to be. And all they had to do was continue to choose God. All they had to do was keep continuing to unite themselves with him and just reject the eating of the fruit. That was the way they showed God that they loved him. So when it goes on to say, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. When this temptation became front and center to them, this created a crossroads in their lives that actually determined all of the rest of humanity. This changed the course of history. This changed everything. It goes on to say, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. See, gluttony, it leads to division but it also leads to destruction because when I choose to eat the fruit that God has told me not to eat, I'm rejecting all of the good that he has planned for me. Their choice to eat the fruit was a complete rejection of the plan that God had for them. Their choice to eat the fruit made their choice certain. They were uniting themselves with the things of the world. They were separating themselves from God himself. And it ruined everything. And I think what we don't realize often enough is that gluttony unchecked in our lives that amplifies all the other deadly sins that want to destroy us it ruins our relationship with God. We're so focused on fulfilling this desire for, for pleasure or for possessions or for power that we're blinded to the life that God has truly called us to. We miss out on real, true life. And gluttony, it just amplifies all of this stuff that's swirling around in our head. It amplifies all these sins that want to destroy us and it leads us down this path of total destruction. It, it looks so good. The fruit looks so delicious. But all it is 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 trying to ruin and destroy all that is good that God has created for us. It takes us away from the path that leads to the purpose and the plan that God has created each and every one of us for. And so you realize that at the height of its evil, gluttony amplifies the self-destructive power of all the other sins. It makes them that much stronger. I think we understand this concept. I, you know, I've worked out on and off for you know the entirety of my life, really more off than on, as it's probably obvious. Uh, but there was a time when I was in my mid-twenties when I, I went to a gym with a buddy and we were really trying to step up our game, right? We're trying to really get ripped and be in the best shape of our lives. And so my buddy shows up to the gym and he gives me this energy drink. He's like, hey, you need to try this stuff. It's called Redline, it's amazing. It's gonna shred the fat in your body and it's gonna give you the best workout you you ever had. Let's do this. I've never done this before, but let's try it. I heard it's great. So we tried Redline. You know, I drank this little energy pack, and I'm not kidding you. It took about 90 seconds, and all of a sudden, it was like this jolt of energy. I'm going, woo! I want to work out, right? Like, it's time to lift some weights. It's time to get crazy. I mean, we're working out harder than we have ever worked out before. I remember I was on the row machine, just going crazy, going, yeah, this is amazing! I remember uh, for a couple minutes, my friend just disappeared outside the gym. He came back a couple minutes later, and I was starting to kind of cool down from this rush. I said, hey, you doing all right? He said, oh, yeah, I just had to go in the parking lot and throw up for a minute. I mean, it was very funny. I, this was a terrible idea for us to use this drink. We never used it again. Had a great workout, uh, but it had devastating side effects. So the point is we understand the concept, right? There's things in our lives that we try to amplify, things that are good. We, we try to make the most of the opportunities that are given to us. And yet, when it comes to gluttony, the last of these deadly sins, you guys, it amplifies all that is evil in our hearts. It strengthens every sin that wants to destroy us. And it leads down this path of total destruction. Consider this for a moment. Consider the concept of gluttony and how it amplifies each of the other deadly sins. Pride. Longs for applause, while gluttony needs the affirmation of every single person. Takes it to the next level. Greed always wants more, but gluttony consumes anything that stands in the way. It doesn't stop. Lust wants another woman. Gluttony wants them all. Sloth is indifferent to the spiritual things, but gluttony abandons virtue in excess It just takes everything to the extreme. The idea of wrath, wanting revenge. Gluttony wants the infliction of it to be creatively painful. It's just that much more evil. The idea of envy, it it covets what others have, but gluttony counts every insignificant detail. It just takes it to the max, and gluttony most often succeeds in taking us away from our commitment to God. The question is, what are you uniting yourself with? Are you committed to uniting yourself with Jesus? Because when we live in obedience, man, we're affirming who he is, how much he loves us, the plan that he has for our lives. When we choose to put these sins into place in our lives and allow them to have a space there, when we amplify those sins by falling into this trap of gluttony, it leads us down a path of total and complete destruction. It's the deadliest of the sins. It goes on to say in verse 7 of of Genesis 3, after eating the fruit, it says, at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. This is one of the most sorrowful passages of scripture that you will ever read. Jesus coming to meet with us, his most prized creation. Coming to have an intimate walk and and conversation with Adam and Eve because of the love that he has for us. Realizing in that moment, something is wrong. This relationship has been broken. Asking out in the garden, calling out, where are you? And Adam, crawling out from behind the bushes saying, I I was ashamed. Because I realized I'm naked, I realized I'm broken. This is the moment in scripture where we realize everything that God had created for us. All of the goodness, the, the perfectness of of the Garden of Eden, that perfect relationship, everything about it being exactly as God had created it has now been forever changed. It's broken because of this desire to have that one more thing, that, that one thing that we shouldn't have. That obsession with that which is excessive that, that we just don't need. It ruined everything. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. She, had the, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. I mean, this is the first time you see that cycle of when you're called out on something that you've done wrong. It's always deny, 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 and then when you're caught, it's blame, blame, blame. We see that right here. That's how you avoid sin in your life. Deny, 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 blame, blame, blame. That gets you nowhere. What we have to realize is that our sin separates us from God. And this sin in particular, from the very beginning, the sin of gluttony, it's, it's broken everything that God desired for us and the relationship that he longs to have with us. And so what you realize is that God wants so much for us. He's promised us this, this perfect existence with him and yet in our own desires of selfishness and lust and greed and pride and envy, doing all these things on our own, amplified by the sin of gluttony, just the excess of it all, all of that just leads to Death where once there was union with God, now everything has been shattered. The whole story has been broken. But what's extraordinary about this is that even though we as humanity have have broken this relationship, God has chosen, in spite of our failures and despite of us declaring, we do not want to be united with you, we want to be united with the things of this world. We want to be united with the desires of our heart that lead us to these paths of destruction. In spite of us not even being his friends, while we were still enemies, consider this, God decided to restore this relationship for us. He was not content to leave that broken. Despite all of our sin, despite the excess, the gluttony, the greed, the pride, the envy, the lust, all of this darkness that exists in our hearts, Jesus makes the first move. He longs to restore us. Would you consider this idea that you are loved? That despite what you harbor in your heart, despite the evil that has been there, that no matter how evil you have been, no matter how consumed you've been with your own pride or your greed or your lust or your envy or your gluttony, God has made the first move here. I want to ask you this question today. Who are you uniting with? Because there is a God who loves you. You are loved. Romans 5.8 tells us that you are loved. God showed us his love that while we were still sinners, while we were his enemies, while we were far from him, he came to this earth and died for us. He paid the price to restore that relationship that we could not pay. You are loved. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, but have everlasting life. See, what was broken, what we broke, God has offered us the cure for. He offers us the fix. And so I want to encourage you today to think about this question. Who are you uniting with? When we talk about this concept of blessed are the persecuted, I mean, there is something here in Matthew 5 that is extraordinarily powerful. Consider how this is phrased in the message. It just says, You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort, and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens, give a cheer even, for though you don't like it, for though they don't like it, I do, and all of heaven applauds. That's powerful stuff. That tells me that when I choose to unite my life with Jesus, I am walking exactly where he wants me to be. I'm not allowing any of this stuff to grow roots in my heart. And instead of uniting myself with these things that will lead to destruction, I choose to unite myself with Jesus. And so I ask you today as we come to a close, who are you united with? I want to ask you this pointed question. Have you said yes to Jesus? Because he has an infinite and everlasting love for you. He has taken the first step to restore this relationship that has been broken. You no longer have to walk down that path of destruction, that, that path that leads to death. No, in Jesus, we've been offered life. I love the reality of God's love for us. You are loved. God loves you that while you're still a sinner, while you're not even his friend, he died for you. God loves you so much that he sent his only son so that if you put your trust in him, if you believe in him, you will not perish, you will not suffer the consequences of, of sin and death. You will experience life. And so I encourage you today, more than I could possibly ever encourage you to do anything else in this life, say yes to Jesus. Romans 10:9 is one of the greatest promises in the Bible. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, I need you. Yes, Jesus. I long for your love and for your forgiveness in my life. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I invite you in this moment just to say that. Jesus, you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. If that is the desire of your heart to say today, then you have said yes to Jesus, and you are a child of God. You no longer walk down that path to destruction, that path to death. You are now experiencing new life that we have in Jesus. And so I'm, I'm so excited for you today. But I ask you this question, who are you united with? If you're here today and you're realizing, man, I've allowed this to get roots in my heart I've been going down a path that I shouldn't. I've been consumed by my desire for more possessions or for pleasure or for power or prestige because it's been all about me. I encourage you to ask yourself this question. Is gluttony leading you to a place that you do not want to be? I want to challenge you today. These are the deadliest of sins. And if God is moving in your heart right now to a place of repentance, of, 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 to a place where you're saying, Jesus, I'm turning away from these actions, these attitudes, these desires in my heart, and I'm no longer going to unite myself to these. Jesus, no, I desire to unite myself with you. I want you to know that Jesus honors that, that you'll be turning your whole life toward this position and place where God longs for you to be you'll put yourself in position to fulfill that purpose and that plan that God has for you. And it all begins by just saying yes to Jesus. Who are you uniting yourself with? I challenge you today, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Jesus, I'm so thankful today for your extraordinary mercy, your grace, and your love. I thank you that while we were still sinners, Jesus, while we had broken all of your perfect creation, after we had deviated from the plan that you had for our lives and united ourselves with the things of this world, that God, though we were far, far away from you and not worthy of any of your love, you said, I'm not content to have it that way. You showered us with your mercy and your grace. You took the first step and you paid the price that we could not pay. God, I ask that you would give us all the courage, the strength, the wisdom to draw close to you to make sure that in every area of our life we are not being consumed at all by pride or greed or lust or envy or wrath, but instead, God, that we would be consumed by uniting ourselves with you, becoming like you. God, help us to get rid of all these things uh, that, that take us down these wrong paths, God, and to instead focus on who you are, and how we can become like you. We love you, we thank you today, and we give you all the praise because you're worthy. We pray this in your name, amen.